welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. My name is C.J. Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, and the idea behind it is to speak some truth and, and help you out in your classroom. Um, it is Real Rap because that's what my students call Talk when we call it like real talks about stuff. So we're not just like nonsensically talking about things. We are getting to the to the root of the problem and talking about it. So um, this happens every Sunday night at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And for the last, I don't know, two years. Yeah. Since we did teacher talk and all that we have stuff. So many. Today's the 84th episode. Today's the 84th episode. But that's, we've like reinvented this a few times. We have. Like, so there's like a lot more than. We probably well over a hundred. Yes, for sure. It's the first time I almost slept through one, though. Yes, thankfully you woke me up. Um, <laughs> so look, if this doesn't work for you, being here on time or being on YouTube and you don't have data on your phone or whatever, it's available as a podcast everywhere that you can check out podcasts. And apparently, if you rate podcasts, it helps them. So if you're on listening to a podcast and you can just hit something or type in a comment, uh, apparently that means a lot. And so the whole idea is, look, I don't make like money from like, I mean, I do make money from YouTube, but like not as much as people think. And I make zero money from podcasts. The whole idea here is to just get information out there to help people that feel like they're alone, that feel like they're losing control of their classroom and to let them know that they are not. Um, if you need more than this, you can go over to our Facebook page, Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk. You can check us out there. You can go to the website and find all kinds of stuff, realrapidreynolds.com, including free, there's like some free resources on there. We're working on that. Or I can come speak at your school or you can come, you can buy my book in April, Teacher Class Off Real Rap Guide to Teaching comes out in April and that's it. I don't think we have anything else. Mentoring. Or that was mentoring, sign for mentoring on the website also. Um, we get to talk to me for an hour and one-on-one uh, -on -one and just sign up for spots and email us and like you see all the availability and all that stuff. Oh my gosh, I feel like an infomercial for my own self. <laughs> I guess no one else is infomercial in me, so I might as well do it. Um, real quick, I just want to say to the people that were on the, um, what was it, Help a Teacher live feed last week. Dude, it was really, like, I didn't say anything on there, but um, a bunch of you that come on here were on that that live feed with me on Facebook. So, so I was asked to be on there, and this guy, Hal Bowman, who heads the Help a Teacher thing on there, was there, and it was just really cool to see, like, your people. people, my people were in mm -hmm. the the section there. And that, that made me feel like really, really good. And apparently they had a really great response to that. They hit me up like immediately and asked me to do it again. And I'm going to do like a podcast with them and stuff like that. So I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for, for doing that. Um, you got a question already? We'll just jump in. My God, I was just saying, dude, I just woke up from a nap like a couple minutes ago, like two minutes before the live feed went on. And man... Never did that before. No, someone said, I can't, I I don't remember who said it on here. It's in the comments. Someone said, at least draw sleep lines on your face. I don't, I know. And the dog <laughs> slept right next to me too, which usually means I have dog hair attached to my face. Uh, limited edition. First of all, that was really great. What's your reaction to Kobe? Um, so for people that, for the two people that didn't hear this, um, Kobe Bryant passed away today in a helicopter accident. And um so what I immediately thought of, and I think a lot of you might be wanting to keep this in mind too, is like, I'm not a sports fan. Um, I do remember playing the greatest gig, second greatest gig of my life, played at this really great venue in 
just outside of Philadelphia. I was playing drums with a band and it was like a legit stage with legit lights and they had a smoke machine. And I remember I was so stoked that for some dumb reason that there was a smoke machine. Well, the Philadelphia uh, 76ers were playing the Lakers and with Kobe Bryant and Shaq on the team for the championship this years ago. And it was a really pivotal moment in the series. And no one was watching us. The whole audience was looking the other way, watching Allen Iverson and Kobe Bryant go head to head. And no one was watching us to the point where the engineer was not watching us either. And he just let the smoke machine run and it didn't turn off. And I remember not being able to see anybody in the band, which is like my number one thought of, of when I think of the Lakers. So look, that's not what you should be thinking about with your, with your students. We should be thinking about is how this is going to impact your students, how some of your students really care about basketball. They really cared about Kobe Bryant. He was their favorite player and how some of those students have lost people in their lives and how this might trigger some reactions in students tomorrow. So I actually like, I'm sure a lot of teachers are going to do this, but I will leave space to kind of talk about it. If kids want to, to, to journal about it, to do something about it, like, um, but creating space, to just acknowledge the fact that someone that your students cared about. And even like, I mean, even though it's a, like a celebrity, right? It's not maybe someone that they actually knew, but that doesn't matter because I, I know that there's people like, and this happens very rarely, but um, when Robin Williams and when Anthony Bourdain died, that hit me like in a way where I was like, I don't even know. These. Like I never even came close to meeting these dudes in my life but just through watching them, through following their careers, through being so impact. I mean, Robin Williams movies impacted me in deep, deep ways that like, like I could probably make a whole video on, but um, yeah. So just be, be mindful of that. And so I'm just really sorry that that happened. Uh, it's always a shame when you hear like something like that happens to someone, uh, especially when they have kids left behind. So those are my thoughts. Um, and then I'm just hoping for those folks that were involved, uh, now I'm going to awkwardly change the subject because sometimes subjects are heavy and I have to change the question. So I'm just going to acknowledge that. Um, Winter is asking, how do you deal with cheaters? Oh, uh, so there's a lot of ways I deal with cheaters. Some of them are serious and some of them are not so serious. So the serious way is if you cheat, I give like a preemptive speech about cheating before every quiz or test. If you cheat, so almost every single test you can retake. All tests are on Fridays. Um, if you miss it or if you need to retake it because you didn't do well, you can retake it on Monday um, after school or during lunch. If that does not work uh, or if you cheat, then you never get to retake a test for the remainder of the trimester. right? So our, we don't have marking periods. We have three trimesters. So the remainder of the trimester, you're no longer allowed to retake something. And that stops a lot of kids from cheating. And I tell them this, look, the, the, if you're not ready, who cares? Just take the test on Friday, do the best you can. You've been out, you were sick, you fell asleep, you didn't pay attention, you forgot the test was on, you have several other tests, whatever, I don't care what your excuse is. You're essentially getting the opportunity to look at the assessment, right? Now, you might not do well. You might put the ass in assessment is what I tell them today. But if that happens, just note what you didn't know get a sense of what the test is going to look like and then retake it on Monday. It's not a big deal, but if you cheat, it's a wrap and you can't do it anymore. Then I usually like log it. I put in my power school. So we have a online 
uh, grade books. Put in power school, student got a zero. I write that they cheated and that's why they got a zero. I email the parents. Um, and then I log it in in power school as well. So that parents, so that other teachers know that like in case that becomes like a trend with that student, which it very rarely does. And then I have a real talk about about it with that student. Um other ways that I, I do it, like sometimes I'll just let a kid finish. I see the cheating. I let them finish anyway. And then when they're done and they hand it in, so they don't have a blow up in the middle of class. I'm like, uh, yeah, so that like secret note card that you had under your desk. Or one time I had a girl write it on her hand. And then after class, she went to wash it off. So she raised her hand. And I was like, oh, you want to go to the bathroom to write those uh, answers off your hand? Then you can do that. Or another time a girl fell asleep like this, took her hand away, and then all the answers were written on her cheek. That was really funny, too. So sometimes they make a joke out of it. Sometimes I don't make it a really big deal or it's just like a, hey man, you made a dumb mistake. It's like, own it. You're still gonna reap the repercussions, but you know, don't do it again. That's it. Um, I tell my students, I trust you until you give me a reason not to trust you. So that's kind of how I handle that. Uh, Kimberly Walmack, our friend, is saying, um, I have no idea what Kimberly Walmack really looks like uh, or Walmack because her, profile picture like when you see the questions on here it's so tiny um and i just think that that's funny sometimes so she's saying hey cj i'm a parent helping with midterms this week any tips um I, so here's here's a tip for you whatever find out how many questions are on each particular midterm and then figure out what kids need to know to pass it so like if there's 50 questions what do you need to get i don't know what your school does maybe it's 70 percent, maybe it's 60 percent um, what do you need to pass it? I do this because like, if I give out a quiz, like I gave out a quiz last week, there were 10 questions on it. It was a very basic reading test. I said, you only need to have, you can get three wrong. So just be mindful of that when you're taking it and you don't know one. Um, this is how you should think of this. Like if I'm getting more than I'm pretty, like if I'm fairly certain I have seven, right. You're probably in a good space. Uh, I do that with vocab tests and stuff too. Then I tell them, I set it up sort of like the SAT, where there's always, if it's multiple choice, there's always four questions or four answers per question. One of them is dumb. One of them, if you really think about it, is has makes no sense at all. Another one is a little bit dumb. And then there's two answers that are pretty close, like that you might struggle with a little bit. Um, so the idea is to, if you're going to guess, if you're not sure what the answer is, then you are getting rid of one, trying to get rid of another, and then picking between those two things, and then never, ever, ever skipping a question because it's going to hurt you, unlike the SAT where it doesn't really hurt. You're only gaining points. But that's what I tell the students is, like, it's, it's, it almost seems like I'm rigging the game so that they'll fail or that they can fail or, like, just skate by, but I'm not. I'm taking something that seems insurmountable, and it's like, no, all you have to do is just really do this. Now, if we can get here, right, so like if we have a vocab test and there's six or there's 10 words on it, you only have to know seven. So what three are the are the most difficult for you? Just get rid of them for now. Now learn these seven. And then which ones are the easiest that you already know and it's not a big deal? So maybe you have four left. Now let's study the four. Now if we study four, do you think we could just learn one more and get five? Like, and then you incrementally increase it from there. And I think that that's fun because it helps the kids to like rig the game so that they can win. Um, and, and it breaks it down. So that's not like this overbearing sort of situation. Nancy Martin is asking, I have a choice to student teach at one high school for 14 weeks or a, uh, or a high school and a junior high for seven weeks each. Ooh. 
What are some of the things to consider making decisions? I, I would say seven weeks sounds cool because you get to be in two different spaces. I like 14 weeks because I don't think, because the amount of time it's going to make you, it's going to take you to assimilate into the situation. It's already the middle of the year. And then that second seven weeks towards the very end of the school year, that's going to be a difficult space to, to navigate because the year's already over. They're used to having a certain kind of teacher. They're used to doing things a certain way. 14 weeks is going to allow you to set the stage to actually teach and then to stay the course and try a bunch of stuff out. And so like maybe you're working on certain subject matter and it's going to allow you to see that whole experience through instead of like just a seven week period, you'll be really surprised at how short seven weeks is. It's like a little over a unit for me. My units are about five weeks each. And um, so I, I would lean towards 14 weeks just because it's, it's, it's going to let you stay through. And I like building relationships as if you watch this channel for five minutes, you know, this, and like, it's going to allow you to build more relationships with students and deeper relationships with students. And like I've said before, I still keep up with all those kids, like, or a lot of the students that I student taught with, um, and like still go out with them, still talk to them online and stuff like that. Keep up with them. And it's, it's really meaningful. So like, just remember that when you're doing that experience is that like, it's not, although it's not permanent and it doesn't really matter what happens, like you'll be all right. It's more of like a, a trial, but it is more than anything else. I think it is not, uh, they're not throwaway students. And I'm not saying that you would think that, but I'm just kind of emphasizing that because no one emphasized that to me. I didn't know that, you know, all these years later, kids would be hitting me up like, Reynolds, we're going to the bar. We're going out to eat. I'm getting married. I wanted to tell you this thing. And it's like, oh, all right, bro. Like, cool. And so it's fun that way uh best of luck to you i think it'll be awesome um whatever you do so good luck zach is asking utilizing ta seriously how the heck do you get them to grade essays um i don't so i think my tas don't grade my essays they grade everything else but if i were to do that it would only be certain dudes so uh, i have to remind everyone that i teach all boys so it's, i'm always like gender exclusive in my talk just out of that's what I talk about all the time is boys. So my boys would have, I would only have them look for certain things, right? So maybe if you, if you're grading and you're using a rubric, let's say, are there certain things they can tick off on the rubric that you now don't have to do? So if it was, is it a certain length? Did you set it up like this, this, and this, like, those are things that they could do. So that that's, that's what I would do is like have very clear, concise, directions and then have them doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and that's kind of how I would move with that. And then I think with the rubric, it gives you that kind of space. Now, look, I, I had a TA grade something for me two weeks ago. He did all of my assessments for the week and he screwed up every single one. So he <laughs> graded them. Then I had to organize them. I had to input them, hand them all back. And then I get slowly but surely that day, uh, Reynolds, I was over looking over my test and this is actually right. And I was like, oh yeah, this is right. Yeah, how can we mark this wrong too? And I was like, oh, that actually wasn't me. It was my TA. And then he told his friends who told their friends who told their friends. And then by the end of the day, I had to like go in and change like 120 grades in the grade book. Thanks, Kev, for doing that to me. Um, so that's that's my thought. If anyone else has an answer for that, that would be really great too. Like, what do you do when you're trying to have like 
student TAs, um, teaching assistants, grade stuff for you, especially essays. Uh, Paranormal Brampton is asking, when is your- I just want to say that that's her husband's phone, she said. Oh. It's really the crafty preschooler. Oh, Paranormal Brampton? Mm -hmm. <laughs> now she's just parent. No, that was a, I was going to make a joke and it just wasn't working. It's so, all right. We, I love, I love your commitment that you would show up in your husband's phone though. Um, when is the book coming out? It's coming out in April. And so what is happening right now with the book is all of my edits are in. They are actually setting it up so that it looks like a book. So it's um, like how far down the page does the, does my paragraph start? Like, how do you set it up? So there's not like one or two lines on the end of a back page somewhere. And then the next thing is designing the inside. So like what sort of graphics, what do we want it to look like? Where do the pictures go? Like that kind of thing. So it's exciting because I had to pick, um, I don't know what a dozen people to do the, to do that. the, um, to read it first, to get an early edition. Oh, like blurbs. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that'll go out. What was that? The dozen people we picked 10 people, something like that. Something like that. Something like that. We picked and then, those folks are going to read it and then they will give me a reaction. And those are the little like lines that go on the back that give say like CJ Reynolds really wrote a book. That was pretty good. Um, or whatever. And then that goes on the back and that's it. And then like, once that stuff's done and then I have to reread it too, but we have a phone call tomorrow night to talk about like yeah promotional steps and how people get it and all that. Sort of yeah. Stuff. So I'll find out like when the, pre-sale goes into effect and how we're going to promote it and all that stuff. All the my... questions that people have been asking us and we have no idea how to answer. Hopefully we get some of those answers tomorrow night. Yeah. With my friend, Tara Martin, who you should follow on Instagram because she's really great. Um, the Super Bowl predictions. So. Wait, I just want to say, do you know, let's start with not predictions. Do you know who's in the Super Bowl? CJ? Yes, I do. <laughs> the San Francisco 49ers and the Come on. Chiefs. So what are they? Kansas City. Um, I only started watching football a few years ago because Brody wanted to watch it. And I always knew that like if my kids got into something, I'd get into it. And I didn't know anything about football. And I'd have to sit here and Google things while I was watching it or like call friends or ask students like, all right, listen, seriously, why does that line keep moving on the field every two minutes? And or what the hell's a down or why do they call it a quarterback? And they're like, why are you asking that question? It's just a quarterback. I'm like, no, why do they call it? Did he get does he get 25 cents back if he scores? I don't know what's happening. So um, oh my, goodness. my so our pastor really loves the 49ers. So that doesn't really sway me. But Andy <laughs> Reid um, is the Chiefs coach. And he was the Eagles coach for a really long time and like never won a Super Bowl. And they haven't won a Super Bowl in like a million years. So I just innately want to. Yeah, but I, I just like underdogs yeah like i felt like an underdog my whole life and yeah. everything and so like i really like underdogs tracy's a 49ers fan something about i read she said that oh i don't know i just Tracy i also Day. think it's <laughs> and i'm not gonna this isn't a dog tracy pinter um but i ask my students this all the time like how can you be from a city and not rep your team oh wait so like when i have students that aren't eagles fans i'm like bro you're from philadelphia like now right that's like, you don't rep another high school. You don't go to one high school and be like, nah, I like that high school better. And it's like, well, all right. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't really care that much either. Oh crap. I, just do. I didn't, I didn't make it happen. Thought I did. Um, 
Ashton is asking, do you have a discover server? I, th I almost thought that's a discord server. I almost thought it's a discover card because I just woke up from a nap. Um, if not, I recommend it. It's a great tool for building and facilitating a community online. I don't. I don't even know what that is. Can we write that down and I can? Yeah, like, I already looked it up. I don't. I, we're just so not tech savvy, so I don't know how to do anything. Is it too techy? In, in a quick glance, it did. Yeah. But I didn't look. You know what? It, but I we should ask it. Jake and we should ask Edie what it yes. is. So the people that help I know, me. But they're not here. They can't run it for us. Like, oh. That's the problem. You and I don't know how to run things when it comes to tech. Jake loves running things. Yes. Jake had a great t-shirt on the other day with a unicorn on it. <laughs> Saw on Instagram. Um, Sam, so I'll, I'll look into it and I'll let you know. Samuel Ortega is saying, I work at, in an academy and by the stories that my students have told me, it seems that the teachers at school are neglecting teaching them anything to do handling feeling of not being able to help them. Wait, hold on. Teachers at school are neglecting teaching them anything. And how do you handle feeling not being able to help them? Um, help, help the students or help the teachers? So I work in the academy and by the student. I'm sorry, this is taking me a minute to process this question. Teachers are neglecting to teach them anything. I don't know if that's a period though. And how do you deal with feeling of not being able to help them? Not being able to help oh, students yeah, well, because the, the teachers, teachers aren't teaching them stuff. So I think that's an interesting conversation. I have students that say all the time that we don't learn anything in my class. I think they just don't know we're learning anything in my class. I, I like to think that I'm, what I'm doing is trying to make something engaging. And then you're like, oh, we learned something. And so sometimes when I like flip it on them and I go, yeah, dude, we talked about this and we did this and we did this and we did this. And then they're like, um, I'm like, that was learning. And they're like, oh, oh I didn't, I didn't think, no, all right, okay. So the students have an idea of what learning is. So maybe that's a conversation to say like, well, what do you, what are you doing? Like paint the picture for me. What is actually happening in there? Um, and then I always encourage students that I'm not going to say anything about it. Take the initiative. And like, this is how that conversation could look with the teacher. So you don't want to say, um, we don't even do anything in here. This is so dumb. We don't even learn anything. Like, or you suck as a teacher. Like, I don't want, I want them to figure out a way to navigate that conversation so that it is something that they can win from. So talking to kids about that, I think is good because what you're doing is you're setting kids up to learn how to have difficult conversations, um, especially with people that they that might be daunting, like a teacher or a principal or, you know, their boss one day or their spouse or their father-in-law or whatever it is, um, or mother-in-law. Um, so they, uh, which is probably more daunting than the father-in-law in a lot of cases, but um, at least in our case. Um, so I just think that that is a really, it's kind of a good problem to have because you're gonna, through that, you're teaching an actual life skill. So that's what I would give some thought to, and that's how I would address it with the students um, and tell them like, hey, I'm glad that this happened, and this is why. This is what we're going to do. Colorful Chemist, that's a really great name, um, is saying, new set of kids coming in with a new semester. How do you start over again? I tell kids that, thank God you're here. I'm really, really happy that you're in my class, and I'm so excited because this is going to be awesome. And then I use, I make a PowerPoint, um, can be very, very simple 
of some of the things that you've done before, like your highlights, your greatest hits. Like these are trips that we're going to take. These are projects that we're going to take. This is the way we're going to roll things out. It is never, ever, ever about rules on the first day or how you grade stuff or like what happens if you don't do your work or there's tons of homework and you should be scared. None of that stuff. It's only about the highlights and let me get excited because everybody else is going to talk about the other stuff. Everyone else is going to be like, all right, I know it's the middle of the year, but guess what? We're still working and it's going to be difficult and you're going to have homework every single night. And this is how hard it's going to be. And this is all the stuff that you're going to have to deal with. And it's going to make you want to melt. And then that, like, that's what I think most teachers do. Instead, I would talk about how amazing it's going to be. And I throw up like 10 slides. I do like slides about myself and who I am and where, I, how long I taught here and where I taught before and like what I'm into. And then here's how awesome this class is going to be. Like <clears throat> in the past, we might not do all of these things, but in the past, we have done this um, this trip and this trip and this trip, and that's an artifact from that trip. And here's a picture on the wall of when we went to this place, and here's a video of like when we did this thing. And I think that that just gets kids excited about showing up the next day, and then do rules like in a day or two or something like that. But that's how I would do it. I think selling um, it's the old like you can catch more flies with honey or something than you can with vinegar, and I think you can catch more anything with with honey apparently bears also so be careful uh kim morrissey is asking morrissey it just reminds me of morrissey uh which you know good work the smiths um hey cj how do you prepare for parent teacher conferences and evaluation lessons so um i so first parent teacher conferences i don't sweat them at all i get all the information about a student that I can like so I just pull up their grades and I sit there and I wait for the parent to come in and I say I have two things I want to talk about one or three things this is the state of affairs this is where your student is at good bad or indifferent two is there anything I should know about your kid that's going to help them to do better and that always turn that like that doesn't turn parents off it actually like I think it puts gives parents power and I don't think most parents are ever asked that what you're doing is asking parents what they know about their own kid that could help you in the classroom. And I've never had a uh, teacher ask me that in my life. And my kids are very, very, I'm going to say they're unique, they're, but like we call Brody the unicorn. Um, we call him uni actually, but he is uh, he's a special rainbow of a child. And I know him better than anyone. And I just think that like everybody does, everybody knows their own kid better than they know anyone else. So like be mindful of that. Um, going in. And then the third thing is, I have things prepared already, so that parents, like I can tell parents, like, like, so if they have this grade, here's things going forward, they can do to win. I don't do makeup work, I don't do extra credit. But coming up, they have this test, this project and this activity that we're doing, if they do well in that, it will help their grades go up. Don't ask me by how much because I don't do math because I teach English for a reason, but it will go up by some points. So that'll, that's good. Um, so for instance, my students have journal entries due. We write a journal entry every single day. You have five minutes to write it. If you don't finish it, you have to do it on your own time. But a lot of kids are absent or they just don't finish it or they screw around and they didn't do it at all. I'm grading journals on Wednesday. My conferences are tomorrow. So when parents come in and they say, is there anything my kid can do to bring up his grade? Yes, actually, they have their journal at home with them right now. I had everyone take them home. Here's a list of, the, of all the questions of all the prompts that have to be in there and the minimum number of sentences that go with each single one. 
all they have to do is finish doing that. And that will, I am sure you that that will bring their grade up a significant amount because it's a really big project. Um, and just have them bring them in with on Wednesday. There's no late work due and, or no late work accepted. So make sure that they please bring it in with them on time. Um, and now parents leave with a thing, like with a charge, with a thing they can, uh, they can literally walk home and say, hey, do this today or tonight or on, we don't have school on Tuesday. So do it on Tuesday. And then that is awesome because then they have like a thing to do. So that's what I would do. Evaluation lessons. Look, I, I think that they they suck a lot of times. We stopped doing formal evaluation lessons. We have teachers just pop in at like administrators pop in at any given time. So they might see like the beginning of something, the end of something. Sometimes they stay for the whole thing. Sometimes they stay for five minutes. It's about getting a glimpse of your room. Um, but I would just take a look at your lesson and try and hit like all the separate major things. So like our kids, so in my class, it's our kids writing every day. Are they reading together? Are they reading separately? Are they critically thinking? Are they engaged in some sort of activity? Are they like, um, is it diverse? Are people having fun? Like that's what I try and look at, but I really don't care what I get on evaluations ever because I don't think someone can come into your room for 45 minutes or 30 minutes or however long your class is and get a feel by looking at one lesson how you're doing. That's like if you watched one game of someone's, you wouldn't really know all the time like how well they were doing. Maybe they had an off day. Maybe the students had an off day. Maybe everyone feels awkward because there's someone taking notes in the back of the room while you're doing what you're doing. And so it takes that kind of natural fun out of it. So the way I beat that is I just don't care. Like what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm not going to lose my job over a bad evaluation, um, especially if my – it, like everything else looks the part like I'm, I'm actually doing a good job and everyone kind of knows that but I just didn't have it work. Here's my last piece of advice on this. When it's done, ask say, I'm really, I'm really interested to talk to you about some of the things that happened today. So if we could schedule this sooner rather than later to have a follow up meeting, I'd love to do that. And then I would ask, I'd show up with questions not just looking for answers. It puts you on offense instead of defense. So you're showing up to your evaluation meeting. They hand you the paper and it's like, great, I'm going to look at this really quick. There's three things that happen. I'm just wondering how you would deal with them or what you think is the best way to handle them or how could I, how could I teach this better? And it becomes this conversation where you're looking for answers instead of just looking for like, um, like just waiting for them to like, you know, spew their knowledge on you about your class or something like that. Um, before you answer this next one, I want yeah. to say, Maisha Hutchinson was awarded um, Teacher of the Year. Her oh, yeah. Maisha Hutchinson. Good work. Yeah. She's the Snoopy little uh, profile pick on there. Congratulations. That's awesome, man. That's really exciting. Let's make this about me for a second. I won Teacher of the Year one time, and then they took it away from me because I was traded schools, and <laughs> they didn't think I was worthy of it anymore. But... Good for you, Maisha. I hope just don't uh, don't trade schools and uh, or move schools, and then you can maybe keep that. So that's awesome. I think that's a really great honor. Good for you. I'm I'm proud of you. Uh, but did she have a question? No. Oh, okay. The next one. Oh, okay. It was I was looking at both ends. Um, how do you deal with kids who won't sit at their assigned spots? It's become a daily thing to use the first five minutes of class to get them in their seats with a lot of discussion. So I do two different things. One, I pretend that I take points off. I don't really take points off. Kids just respond to the word points, man. And people don't like this because they think every student's going to show up and work in tr like 
for some sort of intrinsic reward of, you know, of, I don't know. Of doing a good job. Yeah, they're like doing a good job and like acquiring knowledge. And it's like, they're not. They're kids, man. And they're Rammy. And they have to sit down all damn day and it's a pain in the butt. So I have kids where I tell them like, yo, it's this much time. Yo, if you're not in your seat when that bell rings, you're 100% losing the point immediately. And then that makes kids hurry up. And I'm not, I don't have time to take points off. And I'm not taking points off because you're not in your seat. It's weird. Um, because I'm trying to get away from anything that has to do with grading kids based on behavior, not participation. So you might get a zero because you slept, but that's not because you were badly behaved. It was because you weren't freaking participating because you were snoring in the back of the class. Uh, so I think that's one. Two, make a game out of it. Like do do something that is um, like the kids that are like, sitting down aren't it's incentivized like you're giving points to those kids or they get to do something or whatever i think i think i think the answer is almost always i know when and i only know this when i'm at my best when i'm not feeling it when i'm too tired when i'm when i'm anxious about something when i'm stressing about things at home or at school i don't operate on the best level when i'm at my best i think of things that are ridiculous Right. So um, and I make them playful. So, for instance, um, the other day I take my phone, I have a phone in my room uh, that the office uses to call me and stuff like that. And it's like the old fashioned phones like with the cord on and everything. I take that phone off and I plug the end of it into my desk in the front. And my desk has like these little holes and I just leave the phone there. Kid comes up. Uh, Yo, Valence, can I go to the bathroom? Um, which side note, I hate when kids ask to go to the bathroom. It's like, just go to the bathroom, bro. This is in prison. Um, so I say you know, whatever. Uh, he has to go to the bathroom. I go, hold on one second. I pick up the phone. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Marquis Carter for uh, the bathroom. Okay. All right, cool. Okay, I'll tell him. Um, they said, wait two minutes. All the urinals are being used right now. And then he literally goes like this. Oh, man. And then he sits back down. That's it. Now, look, he's not going to have an I'm not going to make someone like pee their pants. I'm not going to hold somebody up so they have an accident in class. I'm not that guy. But if you really had to go, you'd be like, I really have to go. Like, that, like I, my, that's how I get down with my students. But doing something that dumb, it just handles the situation. Another thing is kids don't wear their uniforms all the time in school, like or their shirts are untucked. And it's a big deal to the school. The kids have their shirts tucked in. So I have the phone out there. I put it in my the cord in my pocket, and then I'm on it. And then I go, I see someone coming down the hallway. I go, yeah, guess what? Yep, Harrison, yeah, shirt's untucked again. Okay, you got it? We're marking him down? Okay, got it. And then he immediately tucks his shirt in. And it's so, I'm clearly not talking to anyone. The cord is plugged in my pocket. Or kids go, are you talking to him? I'm like, it's a new app. Oh my, I, my, I can't talk about it right now. I'm in the middle of important business. Um, and it's just so dumb. But I think sometimes if we gamify things or just make things silly or a little bit more fun, kids will do it. Um, or the flip side of that is having a real conversation with your students. Yo, I need you all in your seats and I need to talk to you about something. This is the importance of you being in your seat when you get in here, right? And then break down why it's important to you. Like, like I want you to be successful or I have this great lesson planned or I want to do this thing, but I can't, like you guys are acting like, like a herd of kittens in here, like that can't stay still. So like, this is why I need you to be in your seats or be in your spot when we're starting because I want to kick this off and I want to get into it because it's going to be awesome and I'm excited about it uh, or we have a lot of work to do or whatever it is, it's having those real conversations too. So either, either way works. Paula is asking, hi, from Argentina. Hi. Um, 
I was gonna make a joke there. I don't know. Mike, uh, Cindy's from Argentina, isn't she? Oh, she's from Brazil. Yeah, that was rude of me to think that they were the same. That's awesome, though. Um, any tips on memorizing vocabulary? So, Paula, this is what I did recently. Um, I this is my new game. This we're doing a lot of weird. This is a lot of weird stuff going on this week. Um, I had students say 15 vocab words. We wrote them all on the board. And I said, do any of these words look like something? I'm going to say a weird one, so prepare for this. Look, do any of these words remind you of another word that might help you out? So one of the words is mirth, M-I-R-T-H. A kid goes, yes, it reminds me of birth. And I, and I go, and you're happy when you have a baby, right? Maybe not while you're having the baby. I remember getting yelled at a few times when that was happening. Um, skip that. Yeah. Uh, but it is when you are mirth means happiness. So mirth and birth, right? You get happy when you're having a baby trying to think of silly tricks. Another word was heinous. And I say, what word does this remind anyone of? And they, some kid goes, heinous sounds like anus. And I go, sure. And I, and I said, if you're an anus to someone, you're mean. And so heinous means to be evil. To, it's an evil act. And so I said, if you're being an anus to someone, it is an evil act. And so that was how we broke down some of the words, right? We tried to figure out easy ones that we could knock off and then we didn't have to worry about those. Then we played a game. Somebody gave me, uh, my friend's sister works for La La Rue. Is that the company? Okay. And so they had like this giant wheel. Um, and you can see it in my videos, like back behind my desk, I keep it. This giant wheel and I write on there all these different things. So the gist of this is, Someone comes up to the front of the room. We spin the wheel while I'm playing Wheel of Fortune music, of course. And I have one of my bubble microphones and we call someone down. Come on down. Come on down. Uh, Nikeen, um, where are you from? You interview him. Uh, okay. Uh, today, let's see if we can win uh, the Wheel of Fortune. So we spin the Wheel of Fortune. And if you get it on a certain thing, you either have to, I'm going to give you a vocab word and you don't know what it is yet. Depending on where it lands, you are either going to draw the word, something to remind us of the word on the board and try and get the class to guess. Two, you can, um, what was the other one? It was draw it, act it out, or use clay. I had uh, Play-Doh in my class, like uh, dollar store Play-Doh. You just sculpt something to look like it. And so if the kid who was going got the class to guess of guess the word that they did not have to do that word in the vocab test. So that was the, that was a pretty big incentive. So if you went three times, you had the potential that three words wouldn't get used. And then at the end of class for the, like the most difficult words, like last three, I said, if you get this right, no one has this word on the test. And it was many kids like really like they're looking, they all have their note cards on their desk. They're all talking to one another and that's kind of how we did it. And, and there was one spokesman in the class to that I heard an answer from. So the, what I did, wanted to minimize was 15 kids yelling 15 answers out at one time. And then I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, okay. Somebody said it, but it's just because you said all the words. So they have to decide as a group which word it is. Then the spokesperson says the word to me, and then I know. So that's just one fun way to do it. Um, and it made it a little bit less sucky than, you know, than normal, but that's how we were doing vocab this week. Um, Nathan is asking, how do you think about academic competitions in middle or high school? So I think there, you know, 
a friend of mine, Edie, had one yesterday at her school. It was all day, so from like eight to four. I think it depends on what it's for. And I think it depends on like, like I think competitions are fun. And I think um, since I teach all boys, like my boys, and I'm going to over stereotype here, but like my boys really like competition. If something becomes a game or, or a competition, it's like, it's on. But that alienates other students that are not in the competition. Kids that have low self-esteem, kids that don't think they know the answer. And so that becomes tricky too. So if I do, I, I don't mind them. I think it's a good idea, but I think just like when you differentiate your lessons, you need to differentiate your competitions too. So like, what do those competitions look like? Does it require a panel of students to stand in front of the room, like a spelling bee kind of a thing? And they're all giving their answers. That's going to really make some kids very, very uneasy. And if they're dealing with self-esteem issues or, um, they don't view themselves as strong or smart or interesting, or they have a lisp or Tourette's or something that's going to make them feel different standing up there. And and we all know like middle school, high school, especially you don't want to be different. You're trying to blend the frig in with everyone else for at least in the beginning. Um, so I would just be mindful of that. And then the kids that really don't want to be a part of it, I just give them a job. It's like your job is to, clean the board after everything or, or keep score or write, you know, whatever it is. So that's kind of how I do that stuff. But uh, Edie did it from eight to four the other day. They had a giant competition where all these other schools come to their school and they have these things and kids get really stoked about it. So you can, if you can build a culture around that, I mean, I think anything that makes kids excited about school for five minutes. I get it. Can't be that bad I was idea. not that kid. I Me too. did those things. And yeah. I was just, I, did not want to participate in them. They made me feel awful. I don't do well under time or pressure or any of that stuff. So they ended up just making me feel really stupid or less than. I hated yeah. anything like that. And so I think... Give me some artistic to do. I was all about that. <laughs> yeah, and it's the funny thing is, but then you'll have kids, the kids that maybe are good at the competitions, like, yeah. do we have to do this project? This is dumb. I don't want to do this. It's like, yeah, because this isn't your wheelhouse, bro, because right. you're good at at consuming information and just regurgitating it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I'm terrible at that. Jen over there is like, no, uh, can we draw a picture make a project, make a movie, do something else like that's mm -hmm. their jam. So yeah, that's a great question though, man. Um, I re real quick. Cause I see John Lopez on here. John Lopez sent me this like oh, Mexican yes. hot chocolate. Um, it's in there. You want to show it? Oh. I don't know why it would be an extra about this. No. All right. So it's because you don't want to walk by. Um, so he sent me this hot chocolate and I told him I would try it this week. And I did. And I thought it was delightful. Now I do have a student, old student who's Mexican. And she came over the other night and she was like, I know that one, but I like this one better. And then it became this whole conversation about like Mexican hot chocolate. And I couldn't know. even tell you what the other type was and because she no, just said it so my fast. Favorite thing was she goes, in the hood, this hot chocolate costs like two bucks. She goes, um, and then she moved, she moved into a neighborhood that's all white. And she was like, but my new, in my new gringo, what did she say? Like a gringo neighborhood. She's like, these gringo stores, it's like, you know, $6 for this or something like that. She's like, why do white people overpay for stuff? And it just becomes this very funny conversation of like, when you go to corner stores, it like we're in, you know, the neighborhoods I teach, like oh, yeah, everything's everything's cheaper that's the other one is that the other one john maybe i'll have to ask yeah, I romina think so. um but romina was she was cracking me up with that stuff though where she was saying like she's like yeah like if you buy like a bottle of soda it's this much 
in Camden. Oh yeah, that's what it was. This is not. This is the one that John sent us. Um, is these giant it's chocolate so discs? Oh, I thought it was awesome. Actually, let's Even have some. Marley let's enjoy it. some of that this evening. Okay. Okay. Um, next question. Uh, Ashton is asking, any chance I could phone in with a question? Uh, yeah. How do you want to do that? Uh, through Instagram. Yeah. So call me uh, on Instagram. My wife's going to go on Instagram now, and then you can just go to the top of Instagram and just call me. Um, I'll look for the next question. If you're still on, I don't even know. If yeah, you're if you're still on. on. If you're not, then um, we can change that. Uh, Movie Man One Seventy Five. Did you hear about Kobe? I did. I just addressed that. That was like the first question that I addressed in the beginning. Um, so check that out. And yeah, I'm really sorry. I just don't like hearing that anyone died, uh, especially all of a sudden, especially when you meant a lot to a lot of people. Not to minimize you anyone else. Tell them that it's a video chat, but you can turn off the picture. Yeah, you can video chat, or you can just turn off the video. That's fine. Like you don't have to video him with me. Uh, and then when that rings, I'll I'll grab it um liz a student at my school was shot last week thankfully he is recovering but i am almost but i'm not sure what to expect this week with students i teach ninth grade the same level he is in and hold on this two-parter have you ever experienced violence in your school community how did you support students where do you uh we are also reading the hate you give which is which i'm nervous about i don't want to trigger students um, so Liz, I have, so we've lost five boys in the last five years to gun violence. Um, this graduating class has had two of their classmates killed, killed since they were in high school. I've had a number of other students shot. I've had kids sent to jail of, you know, a whole lot of traumatic stuff. Here's, here's my take on this and what I would do. One, I think you're not going to have answers for anything, right? But what you want to do is create space for kids to talk about stuff. Um, some schools will let you do this. Some schools want to have like a hand in it and like have counselors and stuff like that. Um, our school's really great with just trusting teachers to create space for students to talk about it. The thing that you need to remember is that your attention is more important than your advice. And what I mean by that is just sitting with someone in, in the muck, in, in the sadness, in the fear is better than trying to come up with the right piece of advice to say to them. You will not have anything to say to anyone that's going to make them go, yeah, oh, okay, I'm better now. Like, it's just not going to happen because it's a horrific event. The, the idea of, I think a lot of my students have PTSD from a lot of these things, from losing so many friends and having so many like sudden like um, emergencies. Uh, in those moments, it is, they flare up. So you're right, like reading a particular book, or we were watching when I had a student that was shot and killed this year, my my guy, Saeed, um, we were watching Shooter, which is a show on USA and about this sharpshooter, right? We were, we were comparing that to this, this short story sniper. Um, and we came in the next day and the kids were like, are we going to watch that show? And I'm like, no, it's not the day for it. Like, let's, we're going to have this conversation. We're going to talk about something, or I'm just going to give you space and then I started that off with saying like, look, this can be really confusing. Like I've lost a lot, a lot of people in my life. Like all of my grandparents, my parents are gone, like aunts, uncles, like many, many people in my life I've, I've lost. And this is how it's made me feel. And this is how I had, I had to go through it. And these are healthy ways for me to express that anger. And so like, I would just talk about my own side, not like some clinical, I didn't want to put up a PowerPoint. I didn't want to talk about you know, what the Health Association of America thinks that we should do with kids that are dealing with stuff like this. It's like, no, a real human to human connection to say how it's making you feel, what you're thinking about it, and then offering kids the opportunity to just come and speak with you at any time about anything and that 
your room is a safe space for them to communicate with you. I think that's the only way that you do it. Um, Mr. Rogers always said that making feelings that are mentionable are manageable. So the things that we can share, all of a sudden they have less power. It's almost like you're pulling what's in the dark into the light, having that communication and it works really well. And that's, that's how I would do that. Um, I think you have to be on Instagram for that, John, the worst I do. Uh, no, because I get random Instagram oh, you do? all the time. All right, do it. Um, Tamaflyx. I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that wrong because I say most people's names wrong. I apologize. Uh, hey, Reynolds, question. I hear you, no. American teachers have point systems. I'd like to have, I'd like to have one Hogwarts style. How do you trace points, assign discount? Um, wait. Assign discount when you have 22 kids in each class six classes uh was that i think it's like how do you keep track of all yeah of that? I, I felt i don't know why i thought that was going to be more than one no. thing all right so um here's how i do that if so i don't use points i don't use points so much anymore as a behavioral tracker i i kids can accrue points but that's by participating in class going above and beyond reading answering questions having thoughtful responses to their friends and stuff like that um, I have a whole video on this that if you go to, so there's two videos you can check out. You can check out my classroom management video, um, which by going to my YouTube channel, there's a lot of people don't know this, but at the top, it says like about videos, playlists, that kind of stuff. There's a magnifying glass. If you type into that magnifying glass, it will only search my channel. So type in classroom management and then type in points. And there's one in there called my point system. And essentially what I do is kids get four points a day. Um, and you can make it any amount that you want. I just find four is manageable. Four points a day um, for five days a week. It's 20 points a week. I put it at the end of the week. So if you are, last week we're reading Merchant of Venice and kids that like, everybody read, but there were dudes that like went on 10 and like Shylock really read for Shylock. Like we were at the end of it and we had, we set up my room so it looked like a court scene and the Duke is in the front and I gave him a gavel and he has a robe on and a mustache and Porsche is dressed up like a, like a man. There's a woman, two women that are dressed up like men because they're in disguise. The the dudes that played them got mustaches. Also another kid wore a beard and like um, another kid had a fake knife. Somebody had a lightsaber because we didn't have a sword. So, you know, he was a lightsaber um, fake cash. Like the kids that participated in that situation were the students that got the maximum amount of points for that. And then other kids, it depends on who the kid is too, right? So like I don't pen, penalize like um, introverted kids for being introverted. Like if, you're, if your jam is not to put on a mustache and, and read in front of the class like you're an actor, I get it. But like is what you're doing the thing that, you know, you're doing the, Hi, the number on one version of who you are is, is kind of how I do that. So um, cool. Uh, what's Ashton, what's up, man? I'm, I'm, you know, doing a live feed here. What, how are you? Where, are you? where are you calling from? Oh, where are you calling from, dude? Uh, New Zealand. Oh, oh, damn, bro. Awesome. What, the, what time is it? In New, I feel like it's the middle of the night in New Zealand. It is uh, actually noon, yeah. All right, and wh- why don't you sound like you're from New Zealand that night? Oh, all right. I piss off all my Australian friends every time I do an accent because it's like the low, it's like the worst accent ever. Um, oh my God. Do, you, do you do the accent? 
accent? I do, I do every time I talk to them. And so it makes them, it makes them crazy. And then they are like, you need to work on that. And I'm like, no, bro. I'm like, this is amazing. When I talk like this, sounds exactly perfect. You're going to drive that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm certain I'm going to get it. I appreciate that. So what's up, man? What can I answer for you? Hey, so I've been, uh, I'm sort of a relatively new viewer, and I've been working my way through your backlog um, recently. And I just, oh, I'm about to go into student teaching. I've, I've TA'd a little bit. But I kind of have one sort of bigger semi-existential question from, from watching this stuff. And um, I don't know, like, especially when I see these references on your on your videos to people like Tim Ferriss and, and Gary Vee and Jocko Willink and stuff. Yeah. Like, you think, to what extent do I need to be the life coach for the kids that I work with? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm barely getting over the imposter syndrome of, like, being beside the desk and, and teaching the content. Like, I, I don't I don't feel qualified. You know what I mean? So how old are you? I'm, I'm 24. Okay. So, you know, I think you answer it like you're 24 and not like you're 34. So I, what I mean by that is um, some people like, so, I mean, I had by 22, I was barely 22. I'd already lost both of my parents um, and had a like pretty tumultuous upbringing. And so that I used all that stuff. It was like the, the blessing in going through all that stuff is that I learned how to navigate life at an early age and become an adult a lot sooner than a lot of my friends were asked to do that. Um, and so I use that stuff. But if you haven't gone through that stuff, then just talk about what you know. And so you're just reflecting on your experience and saying like, look, I've been through stuff. This is what I've been through. or This is what I've dealt with. And this is what you have to share. And then I think the beauty of it is the older you get, the more you just keep making those notes. Like the, the, the human experience is a fairly universal experience like everybody is like on some level when people die it kind of feels the same as what i imagine for everyone to an extent right like or if you've lost a pet or if you've lost a job or if you broke up with someone um you're, you're, you can draw on all that stuff to with your students i you know just like i said to somebody else like a few minutes ago i think the biggest piece of advice is knowing that you don't have to have advice for everything what you need to have is a helpful ear where you're really listening to people. Do not listen to folks or to your students and with the mind of what am I going to say next? You can really just say, I'm really sorry you're going through that. It sucks. And I'm in it. And I, it upsets me that you have to even deal with this, but I'm really, I, and I always say this, this is a really big point. I'm really honored that you would share this with me because I, and I, that's the truth. Like I'm honestly, honored whenever anyone comes to my room and shares something deep with me or troubling with me. I had a whole conversation with a student last week um, where I stayed like two and a half hours after school. And that's what I left him with. It was like, dude, this is a lot you shared with me. And like, I really, really appreciate you. Um, and if I can ever talk to you about it again, or, or with anything, I am honored to do that because, and that's what you're, sh you're sharing with kids is that you don't have to have the answer. You just have to have the attention. Most adults do not want to listen to students. They're not there. Like a lot of teachers even are not there for some sort of like, because they want to help kids navigate life. They're there because they like math. They're there because they like writing or, or science. And so they're imparting information and they forget that they're, you know, to for teach like the whole kid. So just keep learning that stuff. I mean, like I, I if you're interested in that, but um, and when you don't have an answer, go to someone that does like be a part of the community of educators and draw upon their wisdom as well. When you don't know, when you're sure, like there's some bit of advice, like so, sometimes there's something to tell a kid, right? Like, um, I have a student right now who's going through some really, really difficult life stuff. And 
a colleague came to me and was like, I don't even know what to say to him. And for that particular student, I was like, dude, I have like five pieces of advice I could give this kid that will help him do better. So you're drawing on those folks. And I have younger teachers all the time come to me with stuff because I mean, at my school, I'm like the old person. So um, that is just like by default, people come to me. So yeah, that's what I would do. And just, it will happen. But it will, but if they're talking to you about that stuff, it's because they trust you also. And that's a big deal. So, Thank you so much. That's so comforting. You got it. What are you, what are you, what are you going to student teach in? What like subject or grade or whatever? Um, I'm doing it in, it's called year nine here. So grade eight and English. Awesome, man. Dude, good luck. If I can ever help you with anything, hit me up and I'd be happy to do it. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, man. Peace. Yeah. Cool. That was fun. Um, if anyone else wants to call us on Instagram, go ahead. Um, duh, oh my gosh. If I had a superpower, first of all, I would be able to fly. Second superpower would be able to pronounce people's names right. Da Vinci C. I feel like that's a play on words. I'm not really sure, but I'm going to keep going. Um, hey, really good uh, to be here. Oh, awesome. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, question. Other than teaching your subject, what are other responsibilities, if any, at your school? So I don't have what other professional response, but I feel like I don't have anything. I just go do stuff. So, well, what do I you mean, think? you also don't sign up for anything. So anything that gets asked of you at this season in your life with everything that we do That's outside true. of school, you haven't taken on any of that extra no. responsibility. Um so, or jobs, but that's intentional, so right? Because we're working on something else. Yeah. But you, we used you used to. So when I first started teaching, I had a whole bunch of stuff. I was like in charge of like the lunchroom. I was in charge. I was a hall monitor. I was a bathroom monitor. Grossest, grossest. I forgot all about that. <laughs> I don't think I ever. Yeah, you have to it. sit outside of the bathroom and have kids <laughs> sign in and out, bro. <laughs> for what? Like it was so it was so dumb. Um, I've been in charge. I've had bus duty. I've had. After a litany of after school programs that some were things I wanted to do and some were things that they just needed someone to do. And so I was put in a room with a bunch of kids and that's what I did. Um, I've run detentions, I've run uh, mentoring programs, all kinds of stuff. Um, I've built all the sets for plays and had like these incredibly like complicated sets I've built for plays. The reason I don't do that stuff anymore largely is because one, I am doing YouTube and YouTube takes an enormous amount of time. The book took an enormous amount of time. I'm mentoring teachers after school. And the other thing is I found that I don't need programs anymore to connect with students. Students naturally just show up in my room after school. So what I do is after school, I don't have hall monitor duty or like, I'm not like working the corner like so uh, teachers will like stand on the corners and work in the corner that's not weird um <laughs> like stand on the corners and wait till all the students are gone to just be like an adult presence on the corner so no nonsense happens i just go do that stuff because i want to like i just go out to the corner and just talk to kids and tell them i'm waiting for a bus that is doesn't exist i'm like yeah i'm waiting for the double l bus and they're like there's there's no double l bus i'm like no man i looked up my phone like i'm trying to get back to new jersey waiting for the double l bus and they're like no, Reynolds, you need, that doesn't run here. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going to wait till it comes. I'll see you guys later. And then I just wait, I love that your tactic is always stupid. It's always dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but but it, what it does is it's levity, man. It is providing, it's like, be, it's the clown in yeah, me being coming out. And it's silly and it makes kids laugh and stuff like that. Well, I think that's the problem. It's like, I am one of those people, which is why I would never work with teenagers. Yeah. I would go, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> 
I go, I they go, Reynolds, where are you going? Why are you on the bus stop? I go, oh, your mom asked me to make sure that you got yeah. home safe today. Like, just stupid stuff like that. I'm like, well, I'm getting on the bus with you. But, it, it, but, but that's how they communicate yeah. also, right? So, like, or being in the hallway, right? So I'm always in the hallway at the end of the day. And the idea is they want teachers out there to help students move out of the school or to like not mess around or whatever but i just do that in my own way now so like i don't just stand out there and do nothing i stand out there with a megaphone and whenever a teacher walks down the hallway i announce to all the students like ladies or there's no ladies uh gentlemen um can we please give a warm round of applause for miss cho and then cho walks down the hallway and everyone cheers or i go here comes Miss Lopez. Can I get a yeehaw from everyone on three? One, two, three, and then everyone does yeehaw. You get 100 kids to do yeehaw. It's freaking awesome, man. <laughs> so that's part of the reason I don't do it. And then, like I just said to Aston, like I stayed on Friday. We got a 2.20. I stayed till, I don't know, 5 o'clock. So a lot of hours after I had to be there. And that was because I was talking to teachers and students about things that were bothering them, things that were going on in school. And they just wait around to talk to me. And so that's why. It's because I like that free time because it allows me to, to handle situations in school that need to be handled. Summer Tate, my buddy is asking, how do you, how do you see your advisory class? Uh, we see ours once a week for one hour and are concurrently considering changing to 20 minutes every day. The students don't uh, seem to need more support, academic and emotional. That's a really good point. So um, we have advisory. So what that looks like in our school is we call it seminar. It happens on Wednesdays. It's a full period. So it's 45 minutes, something like that. Um, and, oh, I just got one of your hairs in my mouth out of nowhere. That oh, was, lucky you. Almost flown over here. That's weird. No, I'll have to edit that one out, Jake. Uh, it's real. So what that looks like is it's really just my check-in time that's official during the week. Um, we talk about social emotional stuff. We talk about things like manhood. We talk about things like gender bias and racism and all kinds of stuff like that. Here's the thing with that. The guy that sets it up does a really great job of giving us like the bones of, of what needs to happen. Um, so, you know, Miskel, not that you watch this, but great job. Um, I take that information and I tweak it. So I know my students, so I know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it, if I'm going to change stuff, if I know a better video that I know that I'm excited about showing instead of the video that's in the PowerPoint slide. So, um, and then we have 45 minutes. I only ever take, there is no more than 20 minutes of actual, here's like the activity that we're doing because I want the 20, 25 minutes on the back end to just meet up with students. Hey, man, what's going on? Let's look at your grades. Let's have a conversation about your grade point average, about your grade in science, about what's going on at home, about whether or not, you know, you made the football team or the basketball team or whatever. It gives me that time. And then in doing that, I'm just doing like touching base a little bit enough that I can um, follow up with dudes later because it gives you it's like a barometer of like whatever the hell barometer really is, but like it is a way, I'm going to just keep using that word. It's a barometer <laughs> to let you know who you need to follow up with and who is pretty good right now. Like who doesn't need your time and energy. There's not enough time to spend time with every single student every single day. So what I want to do is figure out who my, um, what we call, I call EGRs. Uh, it's extra grace required who those dudes are and who I need to follow up with. And that's how I use that time to my best. Uh, ability. Rebecca Wood is asking, um, I don't know why I just said the name. Rebecca Wood is asking, 
How do you get your weekend back? I feel like I spent all weekend trying to catch up on school stuff. Rebecca, that is a really great question. I don't do schoolwork on the weekends. Um, and the reason for that is, is I literally, and this is a season in my life and right. So I can get away with doing this. Um, I spend so much time at school, so much time on YouTube, so much time with the book and with all the other things that I'm doing that I have very little time for the week during the week with my kids. Right. So I build in that time and I don't do anything during that time, but like, I don't have enough. Um, and cause I really, really love them and I want to be around them all the time. Um, so I try to do that on the weekends and, and so I try not to do school stuff. That being said, I have grades that were, are due tonight at 8 PM with comments. And so, um, as soon as I'm done this, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. I'm eating dinner. It is something that happens occasionally, but what, how I do it is I get up. So this is the, here's the answer. No one wants. Um, I get up early on the weekends. I set my alarm on Saturdays so I don't sleep after seven. Right. And that's not a big deal to me. Like seven is good enough unless I, so I did go out last night, stayed up really late, still had to get up at seven. I was really tired, which is why I needed a nap today. Um, even I napped. Yeah. Cause, I never nap. Yeah. Cause it starts kicking your ass after a while. Yeah. Um, if I do have to do schoolwork, I literally give myself a window of time. So yesterday I thought, all right, I can do an hour. So that's not, it doesn't feel overwhelming. And in that hour, I was able to write two college recommendation letters, organize my entire Google drive, which was kind of getting out of control and then do a simple plan for this week. Then today I lesson planned like usually lesson plan, which is driving in the car and thinking about stuff. And, um, then I, what else did we do today? Oh, we graded all those papers and I input all the grades. Well, that was yesterday. Maybe, so. No, I'm talking about for grade school stuff. So it's like giving yourself a certain amount of time, putting the phone away. There's no snacks. There's no beverages or anything like that. And then um, I'm just doing work for this set amount of time and there's nothing else going on. And I get a lot of stuff done and I try and do it in the morning so that I don't have to do it later in the evening. Um, and then block out that time. Like no matter what's not done, like Sunday night for me is one of the things I love about watching football with my kids is I can eat food, drink a beer and watch a football game. <clears throat> and it is on live TV. So I can't pause it or anything like that. Cause we watch with the frigging antenna, which is like the most archaic activity ever, but it's blocking out that time and making sure that I'm not doing stuff. So I'm going to do some grades tonight, but then I'm going to watch Empire Strikes Back with my kids after that. And, and that's how I do it is by making non-negotiables. Uh, so it's really organizing your time and that's, that's how I do it. Okay. I have three questions. Sure. Zach is asking, do you have a method of responding to lawnmower parent? I really didn't know where this was going. I just read lawnmower and I was like, I don't, this is a gardening question. So that's really funny. Well, that's a um, new term, right? Instead of hell, have you heard this term? No, I've only heard of helicopter. Parents. Yeah. This What's is like the, I guess similar, like almost the same thing basically. Okay. Um, so do you have a, responding with lawnmower parents about their kids receiving bad grades, especially when they try to turn in late work and you deny their submission. Yeah. So, um, I, I do, or I, uh, when you'll have a student, like certain students, I will allow a hand in so certain projects that it's like, dude, you just got to get it in. So like, if it's a monthly, like hand it in and it's worth half the credit, but when someone hands something in, that's a monthly and then they want the grade two days later, it's like, bro, you hand in a monthly, like, Every assignment I give out, I have 120 of them to grade now. So no cards on Mondays, 120 of them to grade. Vocab tests, vocab quizzes, worksheets, act, um, 
whatever activity grades I'm putting in, participation grades that I'm putting in, uh, we're working on projects. Every single time, there's 120. So that's hundreds of grades I input every week. If you hand in something a month late, where do you think that went? It went on the bottom of the pile under hundreds of other grades on top of it. So I have a number of canned responses that I send to parents. So um, what I've been trying my best to do, because I'm really bad at doing emails. It's one of my weak links as a teacher. Um, I have an email that if someone emails me, I email them right away and say, hey, per our school, I have 45, uh, 48 hours to respond to this. I just want you to let you know that I got it and I'm going to get back to you as soon as I, as soon as I can. So just I just wanted to put you in the know. Um, and I think parents appreciate that. And I know I would appreciate that as a yeah. parent. Um, the follow-up to that is just, I tell parents, it's never about like, it's, if I, if I don't do late work, sometimes like if you didn't do a test and I put a zero in at the end of the week, cause you never came in to retake the test. I tell parents, well, they can't retake the test one, cause I want them to learn responsibility and advocate for themselves. It's a really, really important trait Two, I, I was already on two, but two is, uh, I already handed the tests back out. So everyone knows the answers are already out there. I'm not going to test them on something that the answers are already out there. And, and that's because that's just a, like, I'm not saying your student would cheat, but I have a number of other students and I have to try and keep it straight across the board. Um, I think just trying to be as clear and concise with them as humanly possible, but knowing that there's parents that get mad at me and I know that I did all the right stuff. I know that they are, it is more about them. It's more about their student. It's more about something else outside of me. And I'm not sure what that thing is, but I have to sort of like detach. And I will, if necessary, if parents are really sort of belligerent or rude, I handle it very matter of factly, almost like it's a police record, because I know that this is the parent that if they call the principal or the dean or whatever, and I get called into a meeting, I have like a very, like, it's like, very well-worded responses so that um, if they read my emails or if they talk about it, I can say, no, I was very clear here, here, and here. But more than anything, I try not to make it, take it personal. Um, and I'd really make an effort because you to not like take what a parent has done and shine that light on a kid. And I know that from when we were arguing with our school over the education our student, our child was not getting, I was always nervous that teachers were going to like take it out on Brody. And I'm like, no, this has nothing to do with Brody. Like I only, this is us. Like Brody is. No, because you, you say very calm being. and nice. I get very heated. In because I'm often thinking about that I where know. like I've had students in the past where their parents have like tried to put me on blast or they've had a lawyer come in and it was like, dude, what is happening here? And their poor child comes to class. And I'm like, dude, we're good. Like, I know there's something going on, but like, I just want you to know that when you come in, like, um, I care about you. That's the whole reason I even show up to those meetings. Like most people don't do that though. Yeah, but I think most people don't communicate with their students in a way that is yes. like really healthy honest, and useful yeah. and, and honest. Yeah. So yeah. What's scary to So that's my answer. I, that's not the greatest answer. Um I'd love to know, like, I don't know that my man's on here. Um is Royster on here? No, he's not. All right. So uh I that's a great question. If you go over to his YouTube channel, my guy Richard Royster has a YouTube channel and he is the man. And I feel like that would be a really good question that if you like sent that to him a comment or a DM, I'm, I'm certain he would get back to you. And I'm certain he would have a really useful answer for you as that as well. Uh, Jay Hernandez is asking, I have a student. I, I skipped around um, just because there's two that I thought that would be helpful. So okay. those are our last two. Cool. These are the last two. So um, Jay Hernandez is saying, I have a student that says that 
uh, in quotes, if only there were more black people involved, end quote. How do you deal with that? The student herself is also African-American and she is serious, but laughs after she says, if there's only more black people involved. I guess um, whatever it is, she just like says this offhanded like, comment all the time. Yeah. So look, I, I think, you know, I have, I talked to a teacher recently from another school that was trying to help out with something. He told me that he was concerned that his students were all African-American. He was a white guy. And he just, he was, it, it, like he would break down in tears sometimes after classes because the students weren't taking the class seriously. They were talking over him all the time. They were acting up in class. No one did their work. No one did their homework. Um, students weren't respecting one another. And most of his class was failing. And he said, you know, I just get upset because my students, I know, have a harder road, road to hoe than most people are going to have to. That they're, they're, A's or B pluses can be outdone by someone else that looks different from them, that comes from a different family than them, that has C's and D's. And he's like, but I don't know if I can talk about that with my students because I'm a white guy and they're black. And I hear this conversation a lot. And my answer to that is always, it is a conversation. Like no one, if no one else is signing up to have the conversation with your students, you should be doing that. And, and I, and I want to charge people with that. Like, I don't know what that looks like. And maybe you're not the person like, so I guess I don't really know, but I know that I talk about that stuff with my students all the time. So I tell my students that like, look, like we have really honest conversations about race, about sex, about gender, about a number of different things. Um, drugs, like this kid came in on Friday and was like, um, Reynolds, do you think the crack epidemic is the same thing as the opioid epidemic? And I was like, no, and here's why. And so then someone was like, do you think it's a big deal that um, high school students smoke weed? And I said, yeah, and here's why. Like, And then I break that stuff down. I try not to get my politics involved. I try not to get my 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 religious beliefs. Like, I mean, they're always involved, but I don't like say like it says in the Bible in Mark chapter two, like this. But I am... What you're trying to do is help students navigate and be real with kids. When we say, when I say I'm having real rap with Reynolds, like that's what my students tell other kids. What are you doing, man? I'm having real rap with Reynolds. It's we are having a real talk about your future, about what you look like, about where you came from, about the hardships that are maybe ahead of you, that about your neighborhood, about the way that you're acting in class. I think that the best thing you could do for those students is to have a real conversation. Last week, had a conversation. I heard a quote on a podcast where someone said, and I don't know that this is true, that your zip code is the determining factor in whether or not you will do well in life. So, guys, break that down, I said to my students. And so we talked about how, depending on where you live, maybe normal looks like breakfast is bacon and eggs, or maybe it looks like chips and soda from the corner store. Maybe it looks like parents getting divorced all the time. Maybe it looks like drug activity or gang activity. Maybe it looks like parents staying together. Maybe it looks like, um, you know, you have a lot of anxiety because your parents require a lot from you or want a lot from you as you're going through high school. Like you have to get into Stanford because the whole family went to Stanford before. Maybe that looks like, what are you doing going to college, bro? No one goes to college in our family. We don't go to college. So it's like talking to my students about that sort of thing about the quality of schools based on the neighborhood that you grew up in. And those conversations mean everything. So when students ask that stuff, I'd say, that's really interesting. You keep using that. Um, they, like, what does that 
mean to you? Like, I hear you're joking around, but you say it enough. Or I feel like there's something behind that. Let's have a conversation about it. I had a student the other day, a whole group of students. I walk into a class and it's all African-American young men. So my school's uh, like 99% African-American. We have like one Asian kid that goes to our school. Um, every year, it's so curious that there's like one, it's like, that's the, there's never like, we had one white kid ever too. But anyway, um, that's beside the point. Teachers, African-American, students are all African-American. I walk in and they're talking about cultural assimilation or appropriation. And the students that didn't know me it immediately got awkward for them. Like you, like you could see on their face that I walked in there in this real honest conversation. So I, what I was going to do is honor them by just grabbing my stuff and getting out because they were already created a safe space and I didn't need to, to be a part of that conversation, but I wouldn't mind. So I get to the back of the room and one of my students says, yo, why is, why is everyone being so quiet all of a sudden just because Reynolds came in? Um, he's basically black anyway is what the kids said. And this dude goes, for real? And they're like, yo, he's the blackest teacher I've ever had. And so this starts this conversation of, no, like, or, and then, and then it became the conversation. This is where it got a little bit odd. He could say the N word if he wanted to. And so I immediately stopped the conversation and I impart myself. I'm not going to like hide behind my desk. I'm not going to just say like, like that's, it threw me off, but it was like, well, instead of me giving my answer, well, why would you say that? Why do you think that way? Why did you guys, why did it get awkward when I walked in the room? Like, let's have this conversation because I think the more we're having conversations with students about anything, the more they'll talk to us about everything. And then we can teach them how to not shy away from things just because they're awkward, just because they're weird, just because they're difficult, just because someone said something where you were like, oh, that was a little weird. Like, I'm not sure how to handle that situation. Um, it's, hey, that's really interesting that you would bring that up. Like, help me understand that a little bit more or flesh that out. Or like, what did you mean by that? Or, and then don't let them say, Oh, I don't know. No, no, no. Like it's important to me. And I really value your opinion. And so it, I think that that just works. And so that's what I would do if that situation came up. Um, short questions, long answers with rounds. Stephanie race is asking, how do you suppose, or what do you suppose makes you such an approachable person? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I have, I often have students or people tell me things that they, that they're, wait, tell me, th I'm sorry, I'm really bad at reading little words. I often have students or people tell me things and they're like, I don't even know why I told you that. I usually just listen to them. That's a really great thing. So Stephanie, what makes me like that? I don't know, but I have some ideas. One, I think it's a gift. I think I'm sitting in church today and there is a baby in front of me in a row, right? The mom's holding the baby. And the baby will not stop looking at me. The, every time the baby looks at me, it starts laughing. It tries to talk to me. It tried to give me some juice. Um, and the mom was like, what in the world? You could just see it on her face, right? Yeah. She was just like, what the hell is this baby doing? Like, she thought like I was like goading the baby on or something. And I'm, um, so it was this like weird interaction that happens to me everywhere. And you, I saw you even laughing. I that, know, because like, it really does happen Every playground, anywhere we go with kids, they just gravitate to you. I they just kids it. in the food store will just tell me about their puppy or that their favorite color is blue <laughs> or that their mom tries to eat, make them eat the cereal and they don't want to. My mom won't let me get the cereal I want. And so it's, and the moms will look at me. I'm like, I didn't ask them anything. They just do it. Like, they just tell me. <laughs> I do think that some of that is coming from, um, I had parents that when my mom, when my dad died when I was four, my mom went through her own stuff. And I wasn't always sure what mom I was going to have on what given day. So I might ask my mom a question one day and she's very nice and kind and loving about it. 
other days she might snap. And I had a stepdad that was sort of similar. Um, in that, I had to learn to navigate my parents and try and be likable as much as possible because I wanted to make my mom happy. So I think some of that is I know how to navigate people and it makes them want to kind of be near me because I'm wanting to be likable, right? And so that's my shadow. It's like, so there's a good part of that and there's a shadow side of that and that's a whole nother conversation. But in becoming that person, kids tell me stuff all the time. They tell me stuff where they come in and they're like, I haven't told anyone this, but this. Or a student last year that was like, um, Mr. Rollins, can I talk to you about something? I've never told anyone before. Two students and, and almost the same, it's like in two days time. Uh, one kid was came out to me and told me that he was gay and he had to have the conversation with his parents and he wasn't sure how he was going to do it. Another student told me that he was autistic, had never told anyone before. Um, and both those students, I already pretty much assumed that that was the situation, but it was an honor to hear them. It's always about just listening. We do not have advice as teachers. We don't have advice for most of the stuff that kids are going to come with us. I grew up in a neighborhood that looked like the Sandlot, that looked like Leave It to Beaver, Brady Bunch. Um, but now I teach in a neighborhood that's like nothing I've ever seen. When someone's brother is shot, I do not have the words to say that are going to make you feel better. But what I can do is sit with you, listen to you and say, man, I am so sorry from the bottom of my heart that this happened. And I love that you're, I'm like so thankful that you're telling me this because it's going to help you deal with it. I'd be listening to, willing to listen to you at any moment, any day, let me know. And I will drop everything for you because you're that important to me. Um, that is stuff that students need to hear. That is stuff that we need to convey to our students to help them feel comfortable, to let them know that they can talk to us about anything. And if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, then directing them into the right, to the right person to get that help. Um, and I think that that helps more than anything. So that's it. Cool. I that's it. We're a minute. We're, yeah, I know. I know. There's always questions that are left over, but we're an hour 22 in and my kids got to eat dinner. Um, and I got to finish my grades. So again, thank you so much for being on here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and that race thing, I actually, I have a video in mind that I want to make about like, what do you do when you don't look like your students, you don't come from the same situation. And I'm going to make that video with a, with a diverse group of individuals from my school. So like my friend Cho, who's Asian, my friend Stu, who's African American guy that grew up like in, a, uh, in Compton, another guy meets who grew up in West Philly. And so having this sort of roundtable conversation about that idea from a bunch of different people. Um, and that could be cool. So look, uh, if you want more of this, there's Every single one of these is online. All of them are all on podcast form. My guy, Jake, is putting them out there every single day, and I appreciate him so much. Um, if you need more, I have mentoring. I come to your school and speak. Or, like I keep saying, the book comes out in April. Real Rap with Reynolds, Teach Tall. No, Real Rap with Reynolds. No, Teach Your Class Off. Teach Your Class Off. No, Teach Your Class Off, the Real Rap Guide to Teaching. The Facebook group is Real Rap with Reynolds, Teach Your oh Gosh, there's so much stuff going on. There's so much alliteration in my life as a teacher. I don't even know what to do with it all the time. <laughs> It's out there. Just, we alliterate just everything. Just search Real Rap with Reynolds. Just type me in and you'll find whatever you need. And I can help you with anything I could possibly help you with. That's it, gang. Have a great night. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.